Hello, my beautifully broken friends, and welcome to another Beautifully Broken podcast. I hope you all are doing well this week. Uh, For us, we started school this week, and I can't believe I am down to one kiddo left in high school. And I can't believe she's in high school. I mean, that is just incredible. I was thinking the other day, it's the first time we have not had somebody in the elementary school district here where all my kids went to school. We were in there for 18 years and we're finally done. I can't even believe it. So I'm hoping that all of your kids are back to school and that they are enjoying their remote learning. It's actually kind of fun. I enjoy having my daughter around and kind of seeing what she's going through and listening to her classes. And I actually went to school with her on her first day of high school. So how many people can say that? Uh, I told her when she looks back and people ask her about her first day of high school, I can say, yeah, it was great. I was there. So (laughs) I think she truly probably just adores having me there with her. It's just crazy. I can't believe we are already back to school. And I know it's been like, we've had, we've been on summer vacation since spring break, but it feels like, where did this summer go? I don't know. Life is crazy right now, right? So this week I wanted to talk about faith. Growing up in a pastor's family and then being in ministry myself, I've had the great opportunity to hear many great pastors preach many great sermons on this very topic. However, since Greg's death, there is one topic that I tend to have a reaction to when I hear it preached, and that's on the topic of faith. Now, I'm not sure that the pastors are trying to communicate faith the way it sounds like to me that they're teaching it. And I'll be honest, I could be a little maybe sensitive to this issue. You see, I hear a lot of preachers who, when they talk about faith, sound like they're saying that if you pray super hard and if you really seek God and you have enough faith that the miracle you are waiting for will happen. And I've heard so many great series on this, and every time I hear it, there's part of me that wants to push back on it, because it always brings it back around to my own faith. <laughs> like, what are you saying about me? Are you, are you implying that I didn't have enough faith to see my husband be healed from his terminal disease. I remember a specific sermon not long after Greg had died. And this preacher was telling a a fabulous story about a miracle in his life, how one of his little grandchildren was sick in the hospital and looked like he was going to die. And he talked about the fact that the his family all gathered around the bed and they all joined hands and they they just prayed like they had never prayed before to God to heal this little boy from whatever his sickness was. And in the end, 
God did heal his grandson. And that is just so amazing. And I I never want to begrudge somebody their own miracle. That is awesome. We celebrate every miracle. But it just comes back around to me because, see, I've, I've been there. I've been with my family around the bed of Greg, holding hands and praying like we've never prayed before, beseeching God, believing that he could have healed Greg. So is having the right kind of faith or saying the right kind of prayers, what what is it that makes it enough for God to give you the miracle that you're looking for? Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying that God can't or won't do miracles. I'm a big believer that God did miracles in the scripture and that he's still in the habit of doing them today. I've seen it happen in my own life. There's an obstacle that comes up in your life and you go to prayer believing God can take care of whatever you need and he does. I've seen him provide financially, spiritually, and physically. I've seen marriages that should have ended in divorce be brought back to a strong unit. I've seen hungry people fed. In my own life, we had a, a sick child that we thought had a neurological disease at an, at an early age, and we prayed over him, and I truly believe that God miraculously healed him. God does miracles. But what happens when what you want what you desperately pray for, believing that God will intercede for you and answer your prayers with a yes. What What if he says no? Was it because you didn't have enough faith? Did you not believe what you were praying? What if you had said just one more prayer? Is just having great faith enough to make what you want a reality? We hear all kinds of sermons from Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that if if you would just believe a little bit harder, that you could change the landscape of the world? When Greg was diagnosed with MSA, we went to prayer, begging God to heal him. But immediately I felt in my spirit as if God told me that wasn't to be our outcome. And I didn't like that answer. So I chose to ignore it. I didn't even want to tell Greg I felt this way because he could possibly think that I wasn't being positive about the miracles that God could do. The thing is, I did believe God could do a miracle. And as a side note, I'd like to say that I'm so grateful for God's prompting with that no in my life that I could process better what was to be our outcome. But we know that there is power in prayer. So we asked our church to pray for us, our family and friends to, to go before God with this. 
We had some pretty big names in ministry fervently praying to God that that he would heal Greg. Thousands from around the world went to petition God for Greg's healing. Collectively, did we not have enough faith to see God heal Greg? Did we not pray enough? Would one more prayer from one more person possibly had done the job to get God to do the healing? As Greg lay there dying in his hospice bed, taking his last few breaths, even then, in that moment, I was praying for a miracle. I believed God, if he so choose, could have healed Greg even at death's door. But that's the key in all this. If God so chose. A few nights before Greg died, I was literally on my knees by my bed, begging God for a miracle. And he led me to a familiar passage in scripture Luke twenty two forty two, where Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane facing his own death. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, I'm not trying to compare what I was going through to what Jesus was going through, but there was some similarities to our situation. We were both facing death. And we were both begging God to stop it. How great is that, by the way, that our Savior can identify with us in every situation? What a great God we have. It was as if my Bible had a neon sign pointing to the words, your will, not mine. This brought me back to what is most important. It's not about my will. It's about God's. And why is that most important? Because <laughs> he is God and I am not. He has a perfect will and plan for our lives. We may not see it. We may not ever understand it, but he does. And that's where the faith comes in. We have to remember God is not a genie in a bottle that grants wishes to the most dedicated, desperate, or sincere person. He is a God who loves us and orchestrates every event in life, including grief, loss, and suffering to accomplish both earthly and eternal benefit. If I'm being totally vulnerable with you, there are times when I seriously have doubts about my faith? Can I keep believing in the midst of the hurt and pain? Because it, it, sometimes it's so overwhelming. All I can feel is the hurt. All I can see is the pain. But there is a great verse in 1 Peter 1, verse 5. And Peter is talking to uh the, the fledgling church, the church that people, you have to remember Jesus just died and was resurrected and people were believing, but they were under such suppression that they were being persecuted for their faith. 
So here's Peter writing to these Christians, these new Christians, and he he's extolling them to keep the faith. And he gives them this great news that, that they don't have to actually muster up the faith for themselves. But because the Holy Spirit lives within them, they are being empowered by God himself to keep the faith. <laughs> that was such a relief to me to read that. That when I am tired and I, I don't like my circumstances and, and sometimes maybe I want to quit my faith because that's the easier route. I don't have to worry about losing my faith because God is carrying me, empowering me, helping me to keep the faith. Greg used to say this saying. He said, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. It's such a great reminder that I don't have to expend so much energy wondering if my beliefs are wrong or my doubt is correct. See, I've already wrestled with all of that. When I put my faith and trust in God and asked him to be my savior, that was me believing my beliefs. I've already made that decision. I can believe my beliefs and doubt my doubts. And, and the awesome thing is, I don't even have to try that hard because God is empowering me to already do it. And when I get to that place where I want to doubt my beliefs and believe my doubts, all I have to do is whisper a prayer. God, help me. Help me believe my beliefs and doubt my doubts. <laughs> and he's already way ahead of me. He's empowering me right now as we speak, just as he's empowering you if he's living inside of you that you can believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. I love 1 John 5.14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Let me put this plainly. True faith always involves surrender to God's will. So when you're praying those desperate prayers and God chooses to answer you with a no, remind yourself that his no, his yes, his wait, all those that he can answer to us are not because he's trying to punish us. It's because he's trying to protect us and he has a perfect plan and a perfect purpose for our lives. So when we struggle with the, the feeling of, if I just only had more faith, go back to that passage where Jesus was talking about the grain of a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen one. It's so tiny and yet it can harvest so much. All you have to do is just align yourself with God's will. And, and I'm not saying that's easy. Sometimes God chooses things in our lives that we don't understand, we'll never understand, but we have to trust that his will is best. And I can tell you, when I am trusting God that his will is best, the peace of God 
honestly passes all understanding. It's when I'm doubting my faith that all of the fear and all of the worry seems to overwhelm me. And I I just get out of control with my thoughts. But when I go back to a loving God who loves me and I trust him, it it brings so much peace. I I think of it this way too. I know how much I love my children. I would give my life for my children. There are times when I tell my children, no, when they were little and they saw the flame of a fire and it's so pretty and they they just so want to touch it. But I tell them, no, that's not their will. Their will is to touch it because they want to see it. It it flickers and it's shiny and and it's all those things. But I know what happens to them if they were to touch that flame. It would burn them. It could possibly scar them. And so my will for them is to tell them, no, not because I'm trying to punish them. I'm trying to protect them. And I think the same is for you and I. When we pray, when we believe, and and we do believe God can do all things. He can heal. He can restore. But he gives us a no in certain situations. It's not due to the lack of faith. We have to understand it's about his will. And when we surrender to that, we will have blessing and peace and contentment with life. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy (laughs) because... Uh, Listen, I much rather be doing this life with my hubby by my side than alone. But I do trust God and he's so faithful. He, He hasn't let me down. I've been hurt and I've grieved and I have sorrow, but I also have joy and peace and contentment in my life that's only brought about through faith in Christ. So I want to say to you, the widow the infertile, the mental health struggler, the desperate parent, the financially ruined, those on the brink of divorce, the addicted, whoever you are, surrender today to the will of God. It may not be your will, but the peace that will come from letting God control your life and the outcome that can transpire from obedience to God is life-changing. Don't feel discouraged thinking that you don't have enough faith. Put all your faith in God's plan and perfect will for you and see what he can do with your beautifully broken life. Let me pray for your friend. God, thank you that we don't have to do this faith thing all on our own. Thank you that you can take our weak little faith and grow it into something that's rooted deep within the soil And that we don't have to be afraid that when the winds come and they they blow all directions, God, and we feel like we want to quit the faith, you are providing enough faith. You're empowering us with your faith. So God, I pray that you would use every one of us to continue to trust in you, your plan and will for our lives, God, that we will surrender our own wants to your will, God and that you would use your faith to empower us to believe our beliefs and to doubt our doubts. We pray these things in your name. Amen.